In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 58. These boots are made for walking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know, this is a Nancy Sinatra song. Oh, it's a great it's song. Excellent song. And so if you good. haven't seen it, we're going to link to it, but you need to watch it for multiple reasons. One is just the outfits. I mean, this is late 60s mini skirt and boot glory. Glory is right. That's an outfit I can get behind. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Now, another reason we chose this song for our theme is this is a listener suggestion. And not the song itself. No. Theme, which is revenge. Straight up revenge. Now, Amanda H., she wrote us, and she really enjoyed reading Jane Doe, which I suggested a few episodes back. Right, she yes. said she loved the fact that it was just so satisfying revenge-wise. So she wrote us a note and she said she wanted an episode theme about revenge that is less karma and more straight-up revenge. She said, I have nothing to seek vengeance for in real life, but there's something so satisfying in reading about others getting revenge. And we could not agree more. No, really couldn't. I like it 100%. Yeah. yeah. So good. And I couldn't believe that we hadn't ever done anything like this before. Like, how did this one get by us? Obvious in a way, but like, yeah, we hadn't done it. This is why we need all these great listeners, because they come up with killer ideas like this. Killer ideas. So hopefully at the end of this episode, you will have a reading list that will make you feel so damn good. Ready to take revenge in a legal way, because we don't want to be accused of inciting illegal No, no. I can't condone your violence, but I will read about your violence. (laughs) 
I will read about it and I will have ideas about it and yes. I, will, I will dream and I will daydream about it. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So on that, on that theme, on that idea. Yeah. So this is a phrase that gets said a lot. Yes. Do you agree or disagree with the sentiment revenge is a dish best served cold? I see a big negatory on that one. I say no, because I want revenge to come in hot. I want, yes. you know, <laughs> I want it to come in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> but here's why, like, even just me thinking about my own stuff, if I think too long about something, I will talk myself out of it. Like I, ah. I heads will prevail and I'll tell myself in the way that we women often do like, Oh no, it's not that big a deal. Like it's fine. Maybe I just overreacted. Maybe that person wasn't being a complete asshole. Maybe like all of these things. Mm-hmm. But if you just act right away, if you come in hot, I say revenge is going to be much better. I, that's, I hadn't even thought of that angle that you would talk yourself out of it. Yeah. But I love that. But also, yeah, just come in hot. I want an in-your-face hot revenge. <laughs> Don't mistake this is karma. This is revenge. <laughs> so and maybe we should change the saying somehow. And, yeah. you know, revenge is coming in hot instead of a dish that's served cold. Like, yeah. I don't revenge know. is a dish that's best warmed to an appropriate level so you don't get salmonella. <laughs> revenge is best served after a microwaving. Yes. Yeah. That's just good. I mean, no we'll, matter what. We'll, yeah. We'll wordsmith it. It'll get better. But yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just our first draft. I don't hate it, but I mean, I could see where maybe, maybe we could, you know, tighten it up here and there. Yeah. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. So, sure. Aaron, I got a question for you. Yes. If someone were to, and I mean, perish the thought, like trying mm-hmm. to get revenge against you for mm-hmm. something, I don't know mm-hmm. who this terrible, horrible person would be. Idiotic, really. If they were going to try and come in hot and Mm -hmm. take revenge on you, what would be the worst thing they could do to you? It would be like ruining the endings to everything. Like, oh, you're reading that book? Here's the ending. Oh, you like that show? Here's the ending. Oh, you didn't see that movie yet? Guess what? (laughs) Guess who Kaiser Sose is? Yes. Yes. It would be ridiculous that would be like the worst thing for me because I can't stand that anyway like when people are like oh did you see the movie and then you're like no and then they're like oh my god the ending where you know, you're like what I like, just what are you doing? I seen it yeah. yeah I can't I can't deal with it Mm-mm. that would be the most potent and terrible revenge you're right yeah especially if you're like you know maybe 50 pages from the end of a book and someone just tells you god no this yeah. person is going down, whoever this person is, that's trying yeah. to get revenge on you. Come on. Mm-hmm. First off, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to block this. I'm gonna Thank you. Thank you. Howl. I would need that. I would need yeah. that because this would slowly make me go mad. Like I would, I, you know, like violence coming at you, you're either going to get out of that or you're not like there's two options, but this, like, you're just going to slowly make me lose my mind and I don't like it. No. I don't think I would handle it well. And it would eventually I would just crack and look like a crazy person and they'd be like, done. My work here is done. Oh, this is exactly what I thought I would do. Yeah. I yeah. played the long game and I won. <laughs> I hate this person, whoever this person is. Yeah, it's it's a terrible person I've created. Yeah. But maybe also because I might do that as revenge for someone, that would be the way I could get in there. Oh. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 
that'd be a really powerful way of getting mm -hmm. revenge. You'd have to be creative because after a period of time, I would just stop listening to them. Like I'd be like, nope, nope, shut your face. Nope. So you'd have to like, I don't know, put it on headphones and I wake up in the morning and it's there or. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have you to know, like crazy. the UPS guy rings the doorbell and I open it and he's like, the ending is this. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Because immediately once you identify that person for what they're doing, you're going to, you're going to block that shit. Yeah, so you're going to need to be sneaky about it, too. Enlist, yeah, all the, mm -hmm. all the many people you say see throughout your day in quarantine. Yes. <laughs> well, all right. So speaking of revenge plots, let's, let's flip it. If sure. you could get away with it, is there a revenge plot that you would take part in? Do you remember the book that we recommended a long time ago called Diet Land by Sarai Walker? Yes, I if do. If you remember that book. I'm not mm -hmm. giving away anything. There is a no. massive plot subplot of getting revenge on some rapists and harassers. Yes. And God damn would I like to be part of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it gets violent. I know what it's doing. And I'm still, I'm on board. You're okay with it. Because yeah, these are the worst people ever. Even worse than the people ruining the ends of things for you. These are yeah, the lowest yeah. of the low. That's worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what okay. I'm saying is I am very open to violence against these terrible, terrible people. So would it look like that? I mean, how do you envision this revenge taking place? Just I'm whatever you can do? I'm envisioning just taking that whole plot from the book and just oh, enact, okay. enacting it in real life. Yep. Okay. Oh, I, like I may name, they name the, the, the group Jennifer. Mm -hmm. I may just name it Amy and you know, like, not even try and hide it. It just. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Good. Good. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if you see something like that happening in real life, I, I guess I've, uh, I've held up my cards and you know, I've revealed that it's me, but at that point I don't really care. That's okay. You already blocked for me. I'll be in there blocking and be like, no, 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 no. It was called yeah. Amy because this person is trying to set her up exactly. as the fall guy. That's not yeah. what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly Calm right. down. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think Sarai Walker would be, you know, she'd be on board. She'd oh, yeah. Be, yeah. She'd be rooting for me, either publicly or um, quietly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What mm -hmm. about you, though? If you knew you could get away with it, is there a revenge plot you would take part in? Besides my, you know, my violence mm -hmm. named Amy. Well, I think we know that I have a penchant for liking things to, like, you know, grow over time and like a long game is kind yeah, of where yeah. I feel like I shine. So for me, it would be like they're being able to have revenge in like simple moments quickly over time. So like when I have that crazy driver that doesn't understand how to drive out of the Burger King parking lot, yes. then I have some action immediately. I can boom, uh, not karma, not like he gets in the car crash, just like immediately there's revenge. You know, it was because of that. You're going to think twice about being just an annoying part of society. Mm -hmm. You caught me in line somewhere. Same idea. Say something rude. Same idea. Like it's just real quick. I don't know what that would be exactly. And yet. would it be the same thing every time or would no. you like mix it up? Okay. Yeah. I think it has to be specific to the situation. Like yeah. just, you know, you know what I think is going to be hard for us in taking revenge is always I come up with the perfect comeback like two or three hours later or yes. the perfect action. So somehow mm -hmm. we're going to have to speed up that processing so that it can happen more immediately to the person who cut you in line. 
if I take the ending thing to the next level, if I somehow had the power to see how your life was going to play out, and when you cut me or do that in the freaking parking lot, I can get out and be like, look, you got 10 years. This is how you're going to go, and your kids aren't going to talk to you. Sorry. And then just get back in my car and leave. That would be. Wow. Yeah. So you're counting on some psychic ability of some sort. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm going to have to work that out. Yeah. But then think about that. Like, they're just going to, that's going to mull over. You're not just going to get over that and forget about it in years. You're going to be like, oh, God. That's it's going to always gone. be, yeah. Wow, that is the ultimate revenge. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't need psychic abilities. I can just say it as if I have them, and they'll be worried about it for 10 years. Oh. And on the 10th year when it doesn't happen, they're going to be like, son of a bitch, I wasted these 10 years worried. And, and at that, that point, you'll also anything. be like, my revenge yes. came hot. Every year, I'm just going to have to send out like one of those skywriting things that's like, you've been gotten. Because <laughs> each year, someone else is going to be phasing out. <laughs> that's the idea. So this is, a <laughs> this is a phased revenge for multiple parties. Uh -huh. I'm going to need like an Excel spreadsheet. There's a lot of things. Yes. Here. <laughs> like a full-on database mm -hmm. of all of the people that you've yeah, taken revenge yeah. on. Yeah. I'm just taking, okay, so here's the, like last week or the week before, you know, we're in this situation where we are in with the pandemic and whatever. So Mike's been going to the grocery store and he bought, wait for it, two different kinds of chips. Okay. So there were two bags of chips in the cart. Okay. I wouldn't say that that's hoarding. Like okay. we have a fair amount of people in our household. So two bags of chips for a yeah. week isn't really that bad. That's, I mean, but, I would say two bags of chips for me for a week isn't that bad. But Right. I mean, I actually thought that was kind of conservative if we're yeah. being honest. So he's leaving the chip aisle and this guy's like, geez, why don't you save some chips for us? What? And, like, what? and he's like, yeah, you must like chips. And like immediately when he told me that, my reaction would have been to knock all the chips off the thing and just stomp on them. Like, who wants chips now? <laughs> you get none. Now you get crumbs, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck dipping these in any kind of dip. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. I like that immediate revenge as well. But also yeah. now in the future, Mike needs to just whisper, 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. 10 years. You got 10 years, buddy. 10 years. Hope you enjoy those Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Well, that, uh, you know, in case you didn't know that we're a little um, uh, bloodthirsty and cold, there, there it is. I knew, too, because when Mike told me that story, he wasn't that outraged. He kind of thought it was funny. He was like, well, like, what a weirdo. Who says that? And I was like, I was furious for oh, some sure. reason. Yeah, so that tells you right there how hot and cold we run. <laughs> sure. Do you also think the fact that you haven't really left the house in about a month may have influenced that as well? 100%. Yep. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how dare you question my chips? I'm doing this for you. Staying inside. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Well, on that note, um, fiction picks. Yes. Guess what? What? I'm going to break the rule that we set for ourselves because I had a hard time thinking about novels that are about like, revenge. Oh, okay. okay. And, and actually, you know, I, I take that back. I didn't have a hard time thinking about novels that uh, deal with revenge, but novels that we haven't already talked about. Like sure. there's okay. quite a few that we've talked about that have a revenge element. And I didn't want to, you know, we're trying to always refresh content. We don't want to yes. you know, tell you things we've already recommended. Right. 
So what I did instead is I found a short story. Okay. About revenge. Mm -hmm. And this is a short story written in 1954. It's kind of a classic by John Cheever, and it's called The 548. And here's one of the lines from the main character, which may set the stage. He says, most are, or excuse me, the narrator says, most of the many women he had known had been picked for their lack of self-esteem. So we get a feeling on who this main guy is. His name is Blake. And Blake leaves work one day to find a sort of familiar woman waiting for him. But he takes off in the other direction, kind of scared. So he thinks that he's lost her in the city. Um, and he remembers at the same time how he knows her. He had hired her as a secretary. And then one night took a little bit of advantage and immediately after that night had her fired. So, so good old Blake, he gets on a train eventually to his Mm -hmm. summer home where his wife and children are. And we hear a little bit about his wife and how he treats her and, you know, Mm. you can expect, Mm -hmm. but guess who's on the train? The woman that he recognized and she means to make him listen to her. Um, She says at one point, oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I'm crazy. And I love that. Actually, it was that line that made me think, this is why I want this story for this theme. Because what are angry women if not crazy, right? What are women who try to take a little bit of revenge or control back, but just hysterical, nuts, crazy women? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Men can take revenge. They can do it all day long. They can kill as many people as they want in revenge. But women, if they try and do a little bit of that, they are crazy bitches. Yeah, 100%. So another quote that she says is, I mean, if there are devils in the world, if there are people in the world who represent evil, is it our duty to exterminate them? So the the story is relatively quick. And in fact, there's an online link to it. It's from the New Yorker, like I said, from the 50s. And you can read it in a a pretty quick sitting. Uh, It's full of tension and mystery, though. And I think I, I would actually love if any of our readers read this and want to talk about the ending. I would be very Ooh. interested to hear what people think about it. Oh. Um, and, and if what kind of revenge they think it is, if you know, yeah, I, I would love to hear some comments about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like that. Interactive. Now I'm going to have to read it. Yes. So what do you got, Aaron? Well, this is one that I, this is a book that I enjoyed and I'm bringing it to you with a heavy heart because it was going to be one of my picks for the um, live podcast at the book fest. But oh, as yeah. we know, it didn't, but it fits this theme perfectly because exactly. it has a great element well, of respect. depriving the people who yes. were in there. No, yes. no. So this is called uh, The Better Liar by Tannen Jones. And a little bit about her. This author grew up in Texas and North Carolina and she has a degree in American history. And before she started like her novel writing career, she spent several years editing law and criminal justice textbooks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So kind of interesting, like an interesting way to go into this. This is her first novel. Um, and it is, it's like a psychological thriller. Um, Leslie and Robin are sisters, but they have not seen each other for a long time. They had a falling out. They had kind of a weird upbringing. Their parents um, were estranged for a period of time. And uh, their mom dies when they're very young. And then Leslie is stuck taking care of dad because Robin runs off when they're younger. And so after her dad dies, 
she has to track Robin down because there's an inheritance that they can have, but they have to claim it together. They have to both go to this lawyer's office and claim it together. So the book opens up right away with Leslie tracking Robin down to this apartment and busting in and finding her dead, like within hours of a drug overdose. So she's in a quandary because she doesn't know what this is going to mean. We also find out she's in desperate need of money. We don't know why, but she really, really needs this inheritance. And we, we don't understand because she seems to have this great family life. Like she has a husband, they both have jobs, they have a new baby, like everything seems great. So we're confused as to why she needs this money. Um, so she's afraid she can't wait for probate court to like have her sisters pronounced dead. And then the next, she can't do that. So she's kind of mulling over all of her options, getting ready to drive back to uh, New Mexico where she's from and kind of face this. And she's walking out of a restaurant and she sees this person leaning on her car that is her sister. She's like, that's my sister. It looks exactly like my sister. This can't be. Well, it turns out it's just a stranger that is like the spitting image of her sister. And so this idea forms and it turns out this, this woman doesn't have a lot going on for her. She's got her own reasons for needing to get out of town. So she offers her this deal. Look, I will give you half of the inheritance if you come home and pretend to be my sister so that I can get it right away. Oh my God. Because no one's seen her for years. So no one really knows what she's been up to or what she looks like. She figures if she can fake it for a week, I mean, she just has to go into a lawyer. And so, um, and she had, she was smart enough when she was in her sister's apartment to get her ID, things like that. So she could have that stuff. Um, so this whole, this sets off a week of just twists and turns in this book that you don't know what's going to happen. And you realize that this relationship between these sisters is not good. And even though this other girl is playing the sister, there's something very weird going on here. And they're sort of like getting back at each other, every other chapter. And they're starting to take things out on each other that are very like deeply rooted in their childhood. But this woman that's playing this, the other sisters is getting wrapped up in it and going along with it. So the ending is like this terrific scene of revenge. And the whole way up to it, you feel like, you know, what's going on. You're seeing these little revenge things happen. And then it all blows up at the end. It's, it was great. It was a great ending. Very different. Um, it was perfect, I thought, for this theme because, you know, sometimes those family relationships create the most difficult and they, they're like fertile ground for revenge plots, right? Because I feel like a lot of times the family can get you to the point where you feel vengeful almost faster than anybody yeah. else because they Pretty can push much. buttons easier. Yeah. So this book, in terms of revenge, terrific. Great wow. thriller. Yeah, it was a very quick read. She's the, I think the author has a cool backstory that that's how you started and, you know, yeah. yeah so. Wow. Well, um, first I'm, I'm bummed that we couldn't have talked about that at the book festival. I imagine a lot of people would have got into that. that yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, you know, and then when you were saying that, I started thinking, what do you think, you know, you said that at the end, the revenge scene was so good. What do you think makes like a satisfying <laughs> revenge story? Oh, you know, I think that you, I think part of it, if it's a story is that you have to feel invested in the character that's getting revenge. You have to like them enough and feel like they've been harmed enough to get on board with why there should be revenge. Otherwise you're like, well, this is stupid. You know, like this is people acting ridiculous. So I think that's one factor is that the characters have to be written in a way that you really 
really connect with them so that you want to see revenge. And also, I think we like to see it in different forms. I mean, our imaginations are vast. And, you know, when you're frustrated, your mind might naturally go to, you know, gosh, if I could only say this or do this or whatever. And so to see something like that played out that maybe you realize in real life might be a far fetch. Uh I mean, it's just, you know, there's something satisfying about getting to see that even if it's not you. That's a great point. I think that's what I liked about the story that I recommended too, is even though it's short and you don't necessarily know the woman very well that's taking revenge, there's a sort of universality to it. There's like a, especially if you're a woman that's ever been sort of taken advantage of in in any sort of way, and there's a man at fault, it's like, yes, we're going to watch this. It's going to be terrific. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, sometimes that's just what you're in the mood for, right? It's just some good old fashion revenge. Maybe right now during quarantine, when we're just feeling so out of control, revenge yes. is particularly good because you are taking a little bit of control back to maybe that's a good point. And yeah, that you didn't have control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I think that's a really, that is a really good point too, is that you, I think to be successful, you do have to kind of set up a level where people are going to relate to the loss of control. They're going to relate to that feeling that they can't handle what's going on. And the only way to do that is to get this person out or to do something terrible to that person. I mean, yeah. we can all think of those kind of situations. So yeah, absolutely. Well, for my nonfiction, here's another one. It, it, now uh, a warning, it gets a little uh, bloody. Um, But this is um, an article and a NPR episode from 2013, and it's called Diana, excuse me, Diana Hunter of Bus Drivers. Um, So this is a true story. That title already. I know. This is a true story that happened in August 2013. A woman boarded a bus in Juarez, Mexico, and immediately shot the driver. All the witnesses could tell is that she was a middle-aged woman, maybe blonde, and then she disappeared right after the shooting. Then the next day, there's another murder on the same bus line, like another bus driver. Soon after that, a news website gets an email that claims responsibility for this. And the author of that email says that women were raped on that bus. And in her email, the woman writing this says, I am an instrument that will take revenge for many women. For we, is see, we are seen as weak, but in reality, we are not. We are brave. And if we don't get respect, we will earn that respect with our own hands. We, the women of Juarez, are strong. And she signed it, Diana Hunter of Bus Drivers. So that... What <laughs> is happening right now? So from that start of this article and episode, the yeah. author of the, the story... Um, Uh, goes into this 20-year history of young women in Juarez disappearing. And Mm. over that, uh, you know, over those many years, police at first were downplaying the disappearances until bodies started being found. Even body pits. Body pits. This many women are dying. Oh, my gosh. So the police are first downplaying this. Then they start blaming the women for their actions because, of course, that's what always happens. You know, we're dressed Mm -hmm. a certain way. Yeah. Um, so the author of this story, he went down to Juarez to ask local women what they thought of this Diana Hunter of bus drivers. Oh my and God. Along the way, he discovered how buses were one of the most notorious places for violence against women. And as a result, many women were proud of this woman named Diana Hunter of bus drivers. 
Wow. And many of the bus drivers were scared, which women then were also psyched about because they're like, okay, you know, we've got a little bit of control back here. This is great. Right. The interesting thing about this, the story is never solved. We never find out at, to this point, we've never found out who this woman is, never oh been sure if the email actually came from the killer and never heard from her again. But I chose this story because it's so intriguing, because it is straight up revenge. Yeah. In a way, it kind of gets dicey because are those murders justified? Like, you know, those particular men, maybe they didn't have any fault. Maybe they did. Like, how are we, how can we judge this? You know, is this, uh, and, and will we ever fully know the true story? Right. So I'm going to link to this story as well. Another fairly quick read. Um, but utterly fascinating. And then I, as after I heard about this, I was reading the story in other news places as well, trying to get a little bit more perspective. And yeah. a lot of people wrote about this. I'm hoping that someday there's like a show or a documentary or something about this. I would love to know a little bit. Yeah. It's such an intriguing story. Wow. That's fascinating. I had never heard of that. Yeah. Wow. No, and I also just the too. idea of like naming herself, you know, for the um, Greek goddess who is the huntress, Diana, yeah. and turning it to bus drivers. Killer. I mean, literally on a lot of levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legitly killer. Amazing. <laughs> killer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, the, uh, the other genre pick that I picked, it's actually, it's a novel. It's a very short novel, but it's a novel in translation. So that's why I kind of put it in the other genre. Um, it, it's uh, called The Thief by Furry Nori, Fuminori Nakamura. Okay. So he's, a, um, and it's translated by Stephen Coates. He's a fairly famous crime writer um, from Tokyo. Um, he's published quite a few books. There's kind of like a subsect that really follows him. Like he's got a very um, interesting writing style in that he kind of leaves a lot there to your imagination, or he kind of leads you down certain paths and then backs out of it. Um, so this was published in 2012. Um, and really this one in particular is one of my favorites because it combines two of my favorite things, which is a crime novel and an existential crisis. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. The thief who that's all we ever know him by is the name. The thief is an accomplished pickpocket and not like a low level, like, Oh, cool. I'm just taking stuff like really good at what he does. Like sometimes he doesn't even realize he's doing it. Like he's thinking about other things. He's made his entire living this way. He's able to take people's wallets, take the money, take the credit cards, maybe use them, maybe not. Um, and he's lived his whole life like that. He lives in Tokyo um, and he frequently goes out around there because it's so crowded and is able to get things on the train or just on the sidewalk. Um, and he's really nondescript, blends in very easily. Like I said, we don't even know his name. But quickly in the book, we find out that he's gotten wrapped up in this bigger crime because of like one person that he's ever friended in his life kind of ends up bringing him into this criminal enterprise with these people who are like all knowing and have vast control. And they're planning this huge crime that he he doesn't really want to be a part of, but he doesn't also know how to get out of because they're so powerful. And this all hits at the same time that he's wondering, like, is this really everything I was supposed to do with my life? Like, is the, am I okay? If it ends right now, am I okay with everything I did? Like, am, am I okay with letting it be where it's at? So to me, he's like this really 
complex character that's trying to figure everything out. And at the same time, we're learning a lot about his childhood. And we're finding out that a lot of this criminal behavior came out of a need for revenge out of like oh this person wronged me so he went after them and stole stuff from them or this this is how it started and then it just became a lifestyle because he couldn't see any other way out and he wasn't getting a lot of positive reinforcement or action when he was trying to be kind of on the straight and narrow like it, that didn't work out for him either so there wasn't really a downside for him to just you know follow this life of crime so I like it as the ultimate tale of revenge because you're seeing both sides because he's having this crisis. You can see like the good sides of getting revenge or, you know, being a criminal. And then you can see the other side too, where it'd be so much better if he would just let some things go or maybe where he'd be at in his life right now wouldn't be as devastating. So it's very intriguing, very well, very quick read. Like you read it very quickly, but it really stays with you. Um, and he's, if you do like that one too, there's, he's written a lot of other books that are great too. So I wouldn't stop there, but he's, yeah, I like this one. Cause it, when I think of revenge, that one pops right into my head. Yeah. I like that. Um, you basically, uh, described your reading tastes in like one sentence, crime yeah. meets existential, um, thread and thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, it really is both. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. And that's probably why I loved it so much. <laughs> it's like he's writing for me. <laughs> it's like, there's this woman. Maybe I know she's going to like this. like this one. I'm going to make this thief a little more complex and really get there. <laughs> well, in terms of satisfaction, I have got a good pop culture pick about revenge. And it is called Lorena. It is a documentary. Oh, man. Good choice. This is, uh, remind me, did you watch this one? Yeah, on your recommendation. Yes, yes. okay. So this is a four-part series on Amazon Prime. And it was produced by Jordan Peele, which is super exciting because it was actually his involvement and his sort of star power after Get Out that actually got all of this rolling, that allowed, like, the movie creators to sign on all these people and to really dig into this story. So I imagine if any of you remember the name Lorena Bobbitt, you probably remember just the gist of it, that this kind of felt like the ultimate revenge by a woman scorned. Um, This happened in 1993 and Lorena Bobbitt chopped up her husband, chopped up, chopped off, did not chop up. She didn't chop it up, but she That would have been an extra step. Um, She chopped off her husband John's dick and threw it out the car window. If you were, um, you know, uh, aware and watching media at this time, as both Aaron and I were, um, this story scared the shit out of a lot of men. And so I think because of that story became skewed. We heard of Lorena as this crazy bitch, right? This Uh she devil, this like jealous wife. Mm-hmm. And so the story became this sort of huge punchline on late night shows and comedies on tabloids. Like it became very much a, just a circus in so yes. many ways, mm-hmm. but holy shit is this story more complicated. And I only realized the extent of that after watching this show. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the show starts by giving us some of the details of that story that many of us remember or Mm -hmm. that maybe people that don't really know this story 
um, this can help you get acclimated to it. Uh, it yeah. talks to um, some of the police, it talks to some of the lawyers, it talks to people that were involved in this situation. Um, it talks to Lorena herself, as well as John Bobbitt, the guy that got his dick cut off. And that, it surprised me at first that he was involved. And I was kind of curious, like, where this was going in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, but, it, and if you're feeling that in the first episode, stick with it. Absolutely. Because yes. as the show goes on, we learn the real story. One about a young immigrant woman who endured years of domestic violence and rape. And one night was raped again by her husband and she had nowhere to go and she finally snapped. And we also realized by watching this, um, how even, I mean, this is like 25 years ago, not that long, I guess, but how backward we were in so many ways. Marital rape wasn't really recognized as a thing, nor was it punished. Um, mm -hmm. Domestic violence was rarely acknowledged as a problem or a crime. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, of course, we still don't believe women in so many cases, but right. it feels like back then it was so much worse. Mm -hmm. So overall, this show is so gripping. It's so fascinating. It it really dives into all the aspects of this story. You you f you find a few surprising things. Um, I think you and I talked about one in particular uh, involving the lawyers and the and the court trials that was just shocking. Yes. Uh, and, and obviously, I chose this because of that physical act of revenge that starts the whole story, but also um, the sort of long story of revenge, because we see over time, we learn about what happened after those first few years of trials and everything, what happened especially to John Bobbitt. Mm -hmm. um, and I won't get into it because it's jaw-dropping and extremely satisfying that over time, revenge has been um, wrought upon this man, I think. Yeah. And so I think what you get here is this sort of seemingly simple story of revenge, but it's so much more complicated. It's, it's so much more indicative of who we are as people, who we were then, who we are now. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can't recommend it enough. Wow. What did you, uh, would you add anything to that, Erin? No, I think you hit it on the head. I, you recommended it to me and said very much the same thing, like hang in there past the first episode. And yes. I did. And like you, I mean, you almost feel guilty because you do feel like you know that story. And then you find out you didn't know that story at all, nope. which, which is a great reason that it's a great pick for revenge because a lot of times revenge, you're only seeing the surface of what yes. you think is happening, but the deeper rooted things that are going on in that story is just, yeah, that one was amazing. It kind of blew my mind. And it was also kind of fascinating that it was around the time when court TV first started becoming a thing where like cameras were in the courtroom for the first times. And so mm -hmm. it became this insane media circus, which I sort of remembered, but didn't remember the full extent of. I didn't remember that there were multiple trials and that, you know, that yeah. the public opinion swayed over time. And yeah, it's... Fascinating. It's something. It is. It's really, it's worth it for sure. It's very good. Yeah. Good pick. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Well, this is, I am picking, I brought a documentary as well. Oh. It's one that we watched recently and I believe that Amy is watching now. It's called McMillions. Ooh. And it is a six part documentary series. It's actually from executive producer Mark Wahlberg. So. Man, oh man. Uh, I know he Look does that guys just coming in and you know using their power for good right yeah 
So this story, um, if you're, it's not, I know you might, some people might be thrown off, like, I know everything I need to know about McDonald's, don't care. This isn't really about McDonald's, it's about the Monopoly game that McDonald's ran for years, and how basically one guy was able to steal $24 million from the game in a single mastermind plan, and I can tell you right now that this blew my mind on so many levels. Maybe it kind of sounds boring when you explain it because you're like, really? Six parts about the Monopoly game? But if Tiger King left a show hole yeah, for yeah. weird characters for you, jump on McMillions. Ooh. Yeah. We got some doozies in there. I, huh? Right out front, you're not going to have a guy shirtless showing off his tattoos. Yeah. But you are going to have some other stuff. Yeah. Some okay. other characters that are going to be just as crazy and just draw dropping so <laughs> i mike and i watched it super fast i mean we watched it in like two days this i mean granted we're also in a pandemic so hello that's all anyone's yeah. doing is watching tv but regardless i think we would have anyway because it was it's fascinating i mean you want to understand the story and how it all fits together and i it was weird and crazy and in my opinion the levels that they went to to get back at each other or to enact this plot was kind of mind-blowing and really the guy at the heart of it his kind of the way he operates his life is through a level of revenge all the time so that's kind of why it reminded me of this. yeah right yeah yeah and the way the different angles that the story takes in my opinion are kind of because people trying to get revenge for different things in their lives and then how that kind of filtered into this other bigger crime that was going on mm -hmm. so I, I love stories like that that have that domino like this happens here and then it affects something over here so in terms of revenge yeah. it's a it's a doozy well i remember um when we interviewed matthew Kaye, he was also a big fan he did mm -hmm. not expect himself to be a big fan, but then found that he was looking forward to every Monday yes. learning a little bit more about crazy McDonald's Monopoly game. Yes. And they, they did that. They set it out as like a weekly thing, but now you can get all the episodes all and you can watch yeah. them all at once. So mm -hmm. yeah, now you're set. And I agree with Matthew. It was surprising and awesome. Wow. Yeah. Was it a satisfying revenge story or was it ridiculous and crazy and all of that? all of it i think yeah. it's satisfying okay. it's weird it's crazy i mean you you know of course i think in this one i think you root more for the for the good guys than you do sometimes in other stories where you can get caught up in like wanting someone to get away with it kind of and i don't think you have that feeling in this one you're like wanting them to get caught because it's so ridiculous and Ooh, that's fun too then yeah yeah you know how it filters down so uh -huh. did you start this I did start. I've only seen okay. one episode. Okay. And, okay. And already, um, the the main not detective, but the main investigator, FBI guy, um, he he's very entertaining, and yes. I um, just uh, watch for a gold suit to come in. And, yeah. and yes. I mean, like you said, it's no um, shirtless tattoo guy with no teeth. But no. I mean, we can't have Tiger King all the time. We can't we have that level of insanity all the no. time. No. Because then you think Tiger King's okay. If you had that level all the time, then you're basically living at the zoo and you're one step away from getting on top of your car and doing a music video. Yes. Yeah. Singing to someone that. else's country songs. Yes. Yeah. You can't do that. No, you, you can't, can't do that. You're do right. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got to keep perspective somehow. You do. Yeah. You do. And if that takes an FBI agent in a gold suit, so be it. <laughs>
I'm here for like it. A giant French fry. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, that was yeah. There's some art, good moments right away in the first episode. Of- I also like that it interviewed um his boss and his boss was very diplomatic about it, like, yep, he's uh, he's got a, you know, he's um he's got a personality. And and that just continues. Like he does more crazy things and they interview like multiple of his supervisors that are just like he's really hard working. <laughs> yep. He's crazy. We know it. He's real weird. And, but God, no one can be his work ethic. So, but he also like admits to just being like, Oh, I don't want to do paperwork. It's so boring. It's so like this. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. So, you know, we're getting an interesting perspective here. It's kind of like if Bart Simpson grew up to be an FBI agent. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get. Like this guy's laughing at his own jokes and somehow you end up laughing with him. Yeah, you're right. He is laughing at his jokes a lot mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. and okay, somehow he's also good what i was gonna say i'm gonna keep going then we'll yeah you should yeah. yeah yeah you need uh-huh. to yeah okay. that's good mm-hmm. mm. have you met robin yet i don't think so oh oh next character okay, great okay mm-hmm. great is he shirtless no this is a female and it's the oh. wife of uh of a mafia member that oh, is oh, a place yeah. of Ooh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's something. Okay. Get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh-huh. thank you, Amanda, for this excellent yeah. scene. This was You're a wonderful idea. Terrific idea. So, yeah, I think we've, I feel like we have to recommend some of the past books that we've talked about, too, that have a revenge theme, like Jane Doe, the one that got Amanda, you know, thinking about revenge. It's an excellent yeah. one, and that author has a sequel out now, I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you know, Aaron, this is um, our, what, like, fourth episode um, via Zoom. How do, you, yeah. how do you feel it's going? I mean, it's working, but <laughs> it sucks. I mean, let's it be does. honest. It's it just does. not the same. It's not the same. Like, we're looking at each other. I can see your face, but it's yeah. still not the same. Not it doesn't have the same high level of energy like anything with happens i don't know why like we've tried a few different things like i think it's just we need to feed off of each other's energy in person mm-hmm. to really feel like we're doing what we always do this yes. just feels, it feels different it does it does not feel different. Really bad no but just different really, just different yeah yeah and i think that um you know, as soon as we're able to get back to normal, we yeah. will. But, you know, yeah, we're doing what we can. And, mm-hmm. you know, we slid a few bonus episodes in there for you. And you know. We are working hard for you. Yes, we are. But, you know. Even if it's on Zoom and we are. <laughs> we're still doing it, okay? So. <laughs> Even if I can't reach out and touch you. We, yeah. You know. we I can't mean, try and do weird high fives. Can't. <laughs> and, and get weirded out by trying to touch each other, which is just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I saw this thing going around this week uh, that uh, you remember in Step Brothers, mm-hmm. the movie where Will Ferrell and Adam Scott have a hug, and mm-hmm. it's the most awkward hug known yeah. to man, where there's uh-huh. like twisting and punching and like choking, but it's still a hug. Yeah. And that was what somebody said was like, this is going to be the first hug after quarantine lifts. And I feel like that's what you and I are going to do. We're going to have a real weird, uh-huh. awkwardly long hug mm-hmm. where it had to do things, mm-hmm. but you know, still, still going to do it. 
I feel like there might be a range of emotions. Like the long hug might make us cry yes. and then we'll start laughing and yeah. then it'll just end in a little bit of hysteria and we'll record an episode. <laughs> <laughs> so a normal Sunday. A normal Sunday. Also, I look forward to hugging Mike for the first time because oh. he just puts up with my hugs in mm -hmm. regular times. And this mm -hmm. time I'm just going to want to let him, just want to give him a, a hug that goes on for a really long time. And he's going to feel really awkward yes. and also like wonder why you're friends with me and wish that, you know, I, he would just never have to see me again, but I'm just going to keep hugging. Yes, I agree. And just I tell, think him you should. To, tell him to let it happen. He will, but yes, it will be fun to watch because he just does let it happen. But yeah. he's also like, Ugh. like social distancing is perfect for him. Oh, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He might even do it with me if he could be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, you know, just be sure and tell Mike that I'm coming for him after. Oh, I will. Oh, that. Okay. I like the way you put that. I'm coming okay. for you. Coming. Yeah. Especially in a revenge episode. That was perfect. <laughs> I'm coming for you. So get ready. Coming in hot. <laughs> coming in hot. Well, I suppose until next week. Yeah. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're, they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not, that's just, it's just fact. <laughs> and because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.